This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Well, we've all heard the stories or have had first-hand experience of the extreme measures that parents and schools are turning to to try and stop kids vaping. Toilets are being locked because kids are passing out from over-vaping. Bags are being checked. Students are even vaping in class and during exams because they're just that addicted. They can look like highlighters, they smell like lollies and they are easily accessed even when kids are in school uniform. It's apparent the current law around vaping isn't working. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt. Your co-host today, Nick Healy, as always, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Nick, we know we now have a new generation of smokers. And the fact is, we need to start from scratch to educate, to change policy. But everywhere you turn at the moment, there is someone under the age of 25 vaping. It is just wild to me, sort of coming through the 70s as a kid, seeing, you know, a world where people smoked in the car and the shop, on the bus, just anywhere and everywhere, seeing those changes come over the decades, you know, remembering what it was like when pubs first started saying, no, you can't smoke in that room, only that room, all the dramas, all the education, everything we've had to feel like here we are, we're going to do it all over again. It's just stunning to me. And... So I'm a former smoker. So I <laughs> smoked uh, up until I was 30. And I, was, I wasn't I was a social smoker. I was a, a smoker. Mm. And I knew I had to quit. And I knew I had to quit because of the work that was done and the campaigns that were running to tell me what I was doing was bad for me. So I was addicted, but I knew I was doing the wrong thing. There was, at that time, you know, there was the beginning of e-cigarettes, but there were patches, there were books. I even had hypnosis. There was so much that was done in order for me to try and quit. It took willpower, but it also took the price of cigarettes going up. So, Nick, I'm old enough that when I quit, I remember thinking when cigarettes get to $10 a packet, that's it. I can't afford them any longer. But there was so much work being done on the outside to help me quit. I'm not seeing that being done at the moment around vaping. I haven't seen an anti-vaping Neither have I. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anything like that at all. And admittedly, it's not like I'm watching out for it. But I surprisingly have been a dedicated non-smoker my whole life. I spent too much uh, too much of my time in hospital with asthma as a kid to to ever contemplate it. Even when I was wearing way too much eyeliner and black nail polish, I still wasn't out smoking or anything like that. Um, so watching my friends translate themselves into non-smokers over the decades, uh, whether that's through becoming parents or just because of the education you were talking about, or even the price of cigarettes, we've seen that it can be effective. Why aren't we seeing it now with vaping? So over the last two weeks, we've seen a lot of ideas thrown around and a lot of suggestions from politicians, the TGA, the medical community on how to rein in what is currently out of control. The Nationals threw around the idea of vapes being sold freely like cigarettes. The TGA want vape flavours banned. They want individual product packages to have warning labels and they want importers to have a permit on being able to bring vapes into the country. So today on The Conversation, hour where we will bring you a panel of experts who dedicate their lives to your health. What changes do they want to see? Which of these suggestions do they believe will work? And what changes do you want to see? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. How do we rein in the beast that is vaping? We are discussing it around the clock. How much action is being taken? Already this text, Nick. It's too new and cool to try and stop. My children report that all except one of the school toilets, they're locked to prevent people vaping. I would rather a vape area at school where there is no harm that those that choose to vape, my kids can go to the toilet without inhaling vape fumes that are there from those because that toilet block is actually free. Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Nick Healy, your co-host today at ABC Shepparton. I'm not sure you can rein in this beast, but one man that's been talking about it for a long time, Dr Sandro DeMayo, of course, you know him as the CEO of Vic Health. Have you heard or seen anything over the last two weeks, Sandro, that's the silver bullet? I mean, I don't think there is a single silver bullet to this issue. Um, It has come out of, uh, you know, it's come out of a number of things happening over the last few years, but largely what's happened is that we have had a flooding of 
cheap, uh, highly addictive and toxic imports from overseas, something that we're seeing actually in lots of countries as a resurgence probably of the tobacco industry uh, and certainly with a very strong focus on kids. The industry has then used, uh, you know, these products uh, come in flavours like Fruit Loops and milk. They look like uh, highlighter pens, makeup packets. Uh, they look like hoodie toggles, so you can smuggle them on and in your clothing into school. They're designed to be smuggled easily into school. Uh, they they have flavours that are really alluring to young children, and a single product can be maybe ten bucks and contain as much nicotine as one hundred and fifty cigarettes. Nicotine is one of the most addictive substances known to mankind. Uh, And we know that in the first 25 years of life, your brain is still developing and that nicotine has an impact on that development. So we've seen a flooding of the market with these cheap, uh, highly addictive and youth-focused products that are illegal. And they've then, the industry has then very effectively used kids' social media, uh, their own data weaponized against them in a way that their parents cannot control or even really know about uh, to push these products onto young people in the spaces and places where they're spending time largely in the digital space. And the outcome is that 30% of young people use these products regularly. 80% of them find it easy to, to, to get their hands on. Um, and we're now facing, after decades of hard work, yeah. an entirely new generation of Australians addicted then- to nicotine. Sandra, we know it's bad. We know the industry are deliberately targeting kids here. We know there's no silver bullet, but have you seen anything in the conversations, the many solutions that are coming forward that suggest we do have a bit of a pathway to, to combating this? Surely we, it's fl- we, we absolutely, We absolutely have a pathway. We absolutely have a pathway. So there are three levels of government and there are things that have to happen at all three levels. First and foremost, the most important is at the federal level. And there has been a a review by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the TGA, that happened over Christmas New Year period that that, that has reported last week. And the things that need to happen at the federal level is... We have, a, we have a system that is currently being undermined, that loop every loophole is being sought and illegal products are being sold under the noses of government. That needs to stop. So the system we have, which is a world-class system that allows people who need to get these products in order to quit smoking through a doctor with a prescription, like they can get antibiotics or other forms of med- medical care, can still get them, but that children on the street can't just get them freely Uh, and become addicted. So first of all, the the system we have needs to be reinforced. Our borders need to be tightened. You can't have millions of cheap, addictive products flooding our markets from overseas and not being intervened. And then we need to update the world-class tobacco, uh, the tobacco control laws from a decade ago that we have not updated, including to make these products plain packaged like cigarettes and to have warnings uh, and, and, of course, banned flavours, as many countries have done. There is no reason why a 65-year-old truckie who smoked for 40 years and wants to give up smoking needs it to look like a highlighter pen and and smell like Fruit Loops and milk. And it made a huge difference. So if you make the comparison of smoking, when they made the packaging it ugly, works. Yeah. It, it worked. Yeah, well, it worked absolutely. on me, you know, because it, they used to be gold. And uh, I mean, even the discussion around menthol cigarettes, you see countries that were banning menthol yeah. cigarettes because of the illusion that, hey, it's minty. It mustn't this, be this, bad this is, for This me. is tobacco <laughs> 2.0. They are using the same tactics, the same ploys that they did 30 years ago. It took us 30 years to realise that the, that the tobacco epidemic was going to lead to a cancer epidemic. There is no reason why, you know, we're not going to end up in a world of pain again if we don't crack down on these properly. Are. But it takes all levels of government and, and the solutions are known. Sandra, we're talking mostly around regulation. I, I'm really interested in talking a little bit about education because mm-hmm. I think we saw that so much with smoking. But uh, Carl from Northcote's called in. Carl, are you there? Yes, I am. Cal, you can said you, pro- yeah, can just hear you. Your son's been doing a project on vaping. Oh, he's in year twelve at a in a north high school, and um, they've actually been doing a a uh, just a, an assignment on the on what what vapes are doing to kids, which is pretty interesting. So we we uh, actually did a bit of research just the other day about um, 
you know, what, what's being done and what's happening. And one of the things, there's two things that I um, haven't seen in the Australian media that you're definitely seeing overseas. Like, we turned on a VPN on, the, on YouTube. And if you just watch any YouTube channel and you know how the ads pop up, mm. in America, in America the, every second ad is anti-vaping. Mm. And they are, like, flooding YouTube with, like, what it's doing to people, how they're inhaling toxic chemicals, la di da di da di da And then the other thing that we saw in our research was in England, they've done a lot of research into how much is actually going into waste. Like mm. Yes. Ah. And it was pretty incredible, like, the amount of lithium that's winding up in landfill in yeah. England. While yeah. your son's been doing the, the project, have you seen his attitude change as he's had access to information, a, a better understanding of what vaping's doing? Do you think it's made an impact on him or, or has he talked to about the other kids in his class? He's, he's, he's actually pretty good with, uh, with that. It's, um, he's got an older brother that became quite heavily addicted to vapes. So watching his brother go through that, mm. I think, has had a pretty, uh, you know, pretty positive impact on him if you know what i mean he doesn't want to go down that path so uh, you know I, I i just don't think there is uh an educate they're definitely not educating like the the public education of it is yeah, not. i agree there. and carl how's your older son the one that had a heavy addiction is he still vaping i think he's three weeks clean now <laughs> and how did three he get off clean. uh he got a really really bad um like throat infection mm. yeah and it took uh literally a trip to the hospital so you know as they say cancer cures smoking it's the same old thing with vapes i think there's Gosh. it's like another friend of mine got a really bad like infected vocal cords from vapes and it's, it's pretty bad yeah i'm sorry to hear carl mm. yeah. thanks so much for your call and yeah we're sorry to hear as well there's text from leanne we live in a small country town of riddles creek where a new shop has opened up selling vapes cheap cigarettes and american junk food we have a primary school across the road mm. we're a small community we're so unhappy with this store it's not in keeping with our community values the positioning of where you can buy them. Leanne's not alone in no. that they are quite often near schools. They are, and they're popping. I'm getting contacted a couple of times a week, Rochelle, about communities across Victoria where um, these stores are popping up, and usually it's vapes, cigarettes and confectionery or something that's alluring to kids. Um, you know, Victoria is the only state in the country that doesn't have a licensing scheme, so not to take it back to government again, but we, we do need governments to act ultimately on this issue. That is what got us to this safer space with cigarettes, not that the you know issue around tobacco is one, but it's certainly a lot better than it was 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, we need a license, licensing scheme here in Victoria, which would basically mean that the government would then know who's selling what to whom and where. We can better control it. But the other part is that we, we're actually relying currently on the police to go in and, and to make sure that people aren't selling you know, vapes illegally, that they're not selling vapes to kids. And the police have so much going on at the say, moment, we're, we don't, we're as do our teachers. Yeah. You know, I, I, the answer can't be that we blame young people, blame teachers, blame parents or blame the police. We need to find better ways to solve this. I did find Carl's point, though, about the amount of work being done on campaigns through social media. Yeah. Let's ask Caleb Muse what he thinks. He's been advocating for young people and has been at the forefront of trying to prevent vaping. I know he's been doing some work friend, with Vic yeah. Health as well. Caleb, I mean, at a very young age, just sort of almost turned into a, a lobbyist, an anti-vaping lobbyist, and it's so important to have young people out there speaking with other young people. Where and why did you start this type of work? How concerned are you? Thanks for having me, Rochelle. Um, well, as a 19-year-old whose social environment is perpetuated by vaping products and is bombarded by the promotion of vapes on media like Instagram and TikTok, um, but also as a 19-year-old who's studying public health and has worked across health promotion, um, I feel no less um, like I have a moral obligation to act and to protect our young people. Um, you know, if not, then our young people will continue to be at risk. So really, I'm advocating for a vape-free environment. Um, I'm here to show young people that there is someone that is your age that understands the struggle mm. and is willing to fight to embed the voices of young people in policy and the delivery of programs. But I'm also here to show government that young people are only not ready, but they're ready to be a part of the change as well. Mm. 
And Khalid, what are you hearing from your peer group? I mean, are, are they responding to what you say? Yeah. Well, you know, there's no doubt that I see young people uh, becoming increasingly reliant on vaping products. Um, you know, a young person told me that they'd be more shocked if someone wasn't vaping in the social spaces like unis and shopping centres. Um, and, you know, it's clearly quite obvious that as these tobacco industries continue to diversify their products, the young people will continue to experience vulnerability as a result. Mm. Uh, from the young people I've spoke to, I've seen that there's a clear lack of education mm. uh, amongst vapes. Um, however, I do believe that young people are aware that these products are addictive. And in most scenarios, they are aware to a degree and recognize their own addiction. But I so they know believe, you think that they're yeah. bad for them. Like, Do you think there's enough education out there, Caleb, that they know that what they're doing is harmful? No, there's really a lack of education, um, especially when it comes to, yes, young people do understand generally the harm of these products, but they don't understand that there are chemicals that are found in mm. paid stripper and weed killers that can increase the likelihood of developing cancers. From my conversations with young people, um, they're really unclear of what is legal and what is illegal when accessing vets. Do I require a medical prescription or do I not? And, you know, what really is the difference mm. in accessibility of nicotine and not nicotine vets? Mm. So, so it really speaks to the, yeah. So, Caleb, what would work from an education campaign? If you're saying there's not enough around, how do we actually make sure we're engaging the right audience? Well, I really think that uh, the campaign needs to be youth-led. It needs to have a youth-led mm. focus. Um, we need to engage young people in the fight for challenges that affect them. And, and where Sandra, you, I was going to say, where do you put that? Look, I think what, what Khalid's saying is absolutely right. I mean, we education has to be part of the answer and, and we fund the QUIT program here in Victoria. We have got a, a, a campaign coming to market very soon. We know this is an issue, uh, so we've got a major campaign coming to market soon uh, with, with through the partnership with QUIT and Cancer Council Victoria. We're also starting to work on a bigger campaign with Khalid and others that will be hopefully in market later this year. I mean, education is absolutely part of it, but we have to then support young people. Mm. Th these things are so addictive. Uh, it is everywhere where young people are turning. You know, every time they turn on TikTok, there are adverts, click this button, and then it's delivered to their door, you know, out the back of a Camry in a couple of hours. I mean, there are multiple pieces of that puzzle that have to be solved. Part of it is for government, part of it is for agency agencies like ours, and part of it is in the family. Um, but we all need to do our part, and, and education is definitely going to be an element. And Sandra, what Khaled was saying was that, you know, coming back to those fundamentals of co-design, young yeah. people having to be leading that. Absolutely, yeah. And and young people need to because, you know, we're, we're not in the spaces and places. I mean, we can't even see. You think about dark marketing, the conversations we had a few weeks ago mm -hmm. with Rochelle. I mean, we're not even across the amount, the sheer amount of advertising that the industry uh, is pushing on young people through their screens day in, day out, uh, you know, we have to work with young people and design it, yeah. uh, you know, with young people. And, and that's certainly the, the approach that we'll be taking. Khalid, thanks so much for your time. Khalid Muse is advocating for young people to be at the forefront of vaping prevention and working with organisations like Vic Health. Aaron's in Preston. He says, hey, team, I do rubbish collections along the creek and rivers all over Melbourne. I find countless plastic mm. packets of single-use vapes. It's disgusting. The environmental impacts oh. that vapes are having were only just starting. And I also sometimes wonder, because young people are so environmentally conscious and they are leading the world and they are our future when it comes to climate change, I wonder how much education has been given to them around, <laughs> ah. you know, look what, what you're doing is actually having an impact on the earth. That would help as well. But of all of the suggestions you've heard over the last fortnight, which ones do you think will work and will stick and will help? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you and Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. Dr Sandro DeMeo in the studio with you as well. And over the last fortnight, we've seen a lot of suggestions thrown around about how we rein in. I'm going to go as far as saying the crisis that we have uh, around vaping. When 30% of young people are vaping, some of those are as young as 10, 12. We've even heard reports uh, from the poison line of a handful of children under the age of five being poisoned by vaping just because how attractive and how nice they can smell and the way that they look. 
And and that's what's amazing to me is we just know that it is being pushed towards younger community members. A text in saying my 17-year-old does understand the ingredients and says that he does not care what poisons are in the vape. He's going to continue because it's socially normal with his generation. And that's a huge thing to, to fight back against. There's a few texts on that, Sandro, saying yeah. what's Caleb going to do? It's all about peer pressure. Everyone's doing it. Well, again, you go back 20 years ago, Rochelle, and people smoked in an aeroplane. Imagine getting on a flight to Sydney today and someone lighting up a cigarette next to you. I mean, you'd be, you'd be mortified. In fact, the plane would probably be stopped and the person would be chaperoned mm. off by police. Smoking or non-smoking you know, in planes, could I you mean, imagine? Or, you know, like it was so normalised and it took us 50, 70 years, in fact, uh, to reverse the damage of, you know, a, a product that was known to kill two in three of its long-term users and yet was pushed so heavily by industry. We've got that same industry backing a new product that is actually not only toxic in itself, but young people, if they do take up vaping, they're three times more likely then to go on to smoke traditional cigarettes. So there are multiple layers of danger here for young people, but we shouldn't think that it's impossible. We did it with tobacco Mm. and we need to now put the same safeguards in uh, to denormalise vaping. And, of course, accessibility is a massive issue about it. Uh, Carmel's uh, on the line. She's driving at the moment. But, Carmel, you know, you're seeing sort of, I guess, vapes being sold, well, out of the back of shopping centres at the moment. Yes, um, I drive, you know, mainly south-eastern Melbourne and I populate um, strip shopping centres and I've got an inquiring mind. I'm a young grandmother. I've got over 20 nieces and nephews and... um, and I have concern about vaping, and mm. and I see that a lot of these milk barry type shops that you were mentioned before open up, and I think how can you possibly survive? There's a Seven Eleven on the corner and things like that, and they've got dinky toys in there, and um and um a, t- a teenage boy told me that um because I asked him about it, and he said you can buy cheap cigarettes in there, illegal cigarettes for $25, $30 a packet and vapes. Um, they're out in the back room. Um, and I notice a, mu- a lot of these shops that are set up are mainly um, mm. by um, sort of um, um, overseas newcomers to Australia. The other thing is when the TGA made its recommendations and that was open to all yeah. bo- sorts of bodies to to make submissions. And the Australian Association of Convenience Stores also made a submission and retail uh, outlets made submissions as well. They agreed with the nationals that they wanted it, them to be sold like cigarettes so they could be sold to anyone and everyone. So where big companies come into this and the power and control that they have needs to be a part of this conversation. Professor Rob Moody is a professor in public health at Melbourne University. Uh, Rob, you're also the you know the former CEO of Vic Health, and this is a space that you've been working in for a very long time. You've just finished a, a body of research that's looking and is called People, Profits and Health and the impacts of big business on our health. Vaping would have to be almost at the top of your list when it comes to the control that big companies have over our health. Well, exactly, Rochelle. I mean, whether it's vaping or whether it's gambling, um, whether it's alcohol, whether it's um, ultra-processed foods and beverages, I mean, what they've done is, and I agree with Sandro, they've normalised our behaviour. I mean, so normalised junk food advertising on television that we don't even sort of hardly realise it's there. We're responding to the the gambling, for example, because it's, it's, they've taught Australian children how to talk about sport in gambling terms talk about the odds. They set out to do that. And just as we're now watching them really target young uh, young Australians around vaping, then you know we know this is incredibly damaging. And I think the point here is we need to respond in a way where we can start to denormalise this, this behaviour. Sandra's absolutely right. We have done this. I just this don't know how you do that. Well, the point is, I, I guess the, it is about being smart around communication. I mean, mm. There is no silver bullet, it's quite right, but you do need really good data, really good intelligence. We need we need digital strategists who really do understand the dark um, world as well and who understand how the, the sort of major uh, platforms are, are being used to communicate with kids. We need the right regulations. Just as Sandra was saying, we need to bring the three levels of government to acting 
harmonise what they're doing. We need, obviously, border enforcement, the police, schools to be involved in this. We need the same sort of approach across the board. And we do need real political will and funding Mm. for this. Rob, this just feels so much more brazen than any of the other unhealthy commodities we've <laughs> it seen before. It, it just does. does. Yeah. Like, you know, we've seen sort of, uh, you know, you'll take sport, you associate it with junk food or gambling. But this is straight up taking vaping and deliberately pushing it towards younger Australians yeah. oh. or younger community members around the world. Well, I mean, I think as Becky Freeman pointed out, there nothing turns a profit like commercialised addiction. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly, this is what the tobacco companies do. I mean, big tobacco, they are very nasty. Um, and this is just about making a profit, doesn't matter, and utilising addiction to to further your profits. Um, and this is why the you know we as a as a society have to respond in a really big way to to say no, this is not good enough. This is simply not good enough. We we need to fund and respond to this. We need to bring. There are a lot of people against it, so there's a lot of forces we can bring together on. I like that, that res- mm. society needs to respond. It, yeah, it, that's I mean, how it feels. And, and, and as Rob's describing, it is so predatory. They know what they're doing. They're doing it on purpose. Absolutely. It's a great way of making lots of money. And then if you can get kids addicted young, you'll have them lifelong, as we saw with the tobacco epidemic. I, I, I think it's really important, Rochelle, that we don't think that you know, the war is lost or that there's nothing, we throw our hands up. Because actually, we've done it before. We know how Mm. to do it. And and I can, I mean, I could put on the table right now the four or five things we need to do at the state, federal and local level, and it will solve most of the problem. So Um, why isn't it happening then? Well, it it is. I mean, uh, the federal government has done a, uh, you know, has done the the process with um, uh, the TGA. So the TGA will now report and Mark Butler, Mm -hmm. I think the federal government will start to move. We we are the the preeminent, you know, world leaders in tobacco control. And I have confidence that very soon we will become yet again world leaders in the control of e-cigarettes and tobacco um, at the state level, we, we do need to move. I mean, even if the federal government does what we think they're going to do, there's still going to be an important role for the state government. And we, we are sadly the only only state in the nation without a, a licensing scheme in place or in train. That's a big challenge. But I think we also need, then need to be thinking about how do we support these young people? When we put those things in place, how do we support young people who are addicted how, what you know? How do we make sure that young people are informed and that parents and teachers, importantly, feel supported and not blamed? But you are battling, of course, against those tobacco companies, against the lobbying they do, against the white anting and the astroturfing and the <laughs> creating yeah. associations. Yeah. I mean, Rob, that's a huge amount of money that they've got to bear. That's a huge amount of experience they've got in this front, especially when it comes to political lobbying. I mean, I don't even know where we start to, I guess, tackle that. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that we're doing at the moment is actually trying to understand what are the levels of political lobbying and donations um, and really started to make and call for, for that to be much more transparent. Mm. Um, and that's something that Australia has pretty ordinary um, rules and regulations around political donations and, um, and lobbying. We need, to, we need to change that. I mean, the other point, just to remind you, I guess, in 1970, <clears throat> there was an average of 14 tobacco ads per hour on our commercial television. <sighs> 14 ads per hour. So, I mean, this is, this is a lot. So there was a lot going on. And the point is, I, I guess, just to, to back what Sandra's saying, is that, is that you know, we can do something about this. Um, and I'm just really pleased that you raised this as a, as a major issue. It's happened very rapidly. Yeah. Um, and mm. Australia's actually been holding the, the fort on this more than many other countries. Uh, and, you know, you watch the advertising for this in Germany, for example. They, the, the advertising all over the, uh, every screen. It's not just um, on, uh, on TikTok. It's, it's everywhere. And this so pro-vaping. Mm. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's illegal, make, but they're absolutely doing it. So, so it's all, where over, are it's we all globally? over social media. Rob, where are we globally in terms of tackling this? I mean, it, glass half full at the moment. At least we don't have pro, <laughs> pro-vaping pro ads on tally. Not that I've seen well, anyhow, but they're all no, over no, social well, media. No, there but, aren't. I mean, no, but the point is we've, we've actually taken an approach and, and been criticised by you know, other, other people saying, look, you know, we've, we've, we've said we, uh, we don't want this opened up to... Uh, uh, as the Nats wanted to do to, to be sold in every every shop, we've, we've got a mechanism to allow people who seriously need to use um, uh, nicotine uh, replacement products 
that's fine. But the point is, you know, we're really trying to manage this uh, an illegal, a basically illegal hmm. um, production of, uh, and dissemination of products. That's our issue. I think we haven't, it's happened so rapidly uh, that we really do need to in, respond um, mm. and respond collectively. Rob, thanks so much for your time and for your insights. This paper is incredible and it's so important. It's People, Profits and Health and it's a three-paper series. It's been published in the Global Health Journal, The Lancet, and it's basically shedding a light on the impacts of big commercial entities and the impact on us as humans and our planet as well. Professor Rob Moody, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Nick. Let's have a chat to Alan. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. I've been listening to the conversation with interest and uh, also concern, which is shared by everyone talking. Um, And one thing that hasn't been discussed at all, really, is why do kids do this? Mm. And the answer is fairly obvious because they think it's cool. To me, one way to really, and this is one of two ways I want to suggest, uh, to, to really curb this problem is to educate the children and subtly if you like that it's not cool that in fact it's pretty stupid now one way you can do this is with um in in the media just with uh, even little cartoons or whatever Uh, another is to give it give kids free t-shirts that uh, are saying you reckon that way don't be a dumber, dummy like the other ones. Yeah, I, I mean, like the idea. I mean, a bit of merch yeah. never, Look, we, we, <laughs> never hurts. I take the point. I mean, we do definitely, and that's what we're working on with Quit, and 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 we'll have, as I said, some big things coming soon in terms of some social market, major major campaigns like we had for tobacco. But I would also question why do th- why do young people think it's cool? They don't think it's cool because they woke up one morning during during the last couple of years and you know came across it. They they. They think it's cool because they've been told it's cool. There has been a purposeful marketing exercise, millions of dollars spent by industry in the spaces and places where people, where young people spend time and their parents have no idea, social marketing, social media, and they have created the image that it's cool. They've used influencers, they've used very expensive, careful marketing, and they have created a brand and a sense that these products are cool when they're not. So we, we also need to cut that off at the source and actually control the industry. And, and you do that through ad, up, updating our world-class advertising uh, bands, which mm. we already have for tobacco, but the Bring loophole is yeah. vaping. Sandra, I remember ad campaigns um, back in the anti-smoking time period that were yep. angled at making smoking not look cool. I remember these droning, long, oh, boring ads that mm. were deliberately designed to say this isn't cool. And I also remember friends of mine who were smokers saying that that wasn't very effective, saying, you know, without smoking that would have even been a more boring experience. So, you know, yeah. it's obviously a fraught battleground here well, at times. So, again, it's where there, we, we say, like, there's no single... There's no single lever that's going to solve this. You know, this has been a very clever, predatory, dangerous and quite honestly, uh, you know, vicious uh, move by the industry to get a whole new generation, hundreds of millions of young people globally addicted to a product and to create a new revenue source for the tobacco industry after decades of declines. There will be no single silver bullet, but a campaign educating young people that's co-designed with young people in a way that's going to speak to them, combined with better understanding where these are being sold through Mm. a licensing scheme, combined with plain packaging, taking away the colours, the flavours, limiting the advertising. I reckon that is, for me, that's the strongest. All of those things will work just as they worked with tobacco. Wayne's call through. Good morning, Wayne. Oh, good morning. I'm actually from WA um, and the tobacco... um, the way we went against tobacco reduced it from roughly 70%. I think we're in WA about 13% smokers now. But I cannot see why that is not taken across to vaping so that they're just considered smoking. So they come under the same rules as tobacco, um, plain packaging, um, locked behind doors in supermarkets and so on. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I realise that there will still be people that are selling it under the counter but uh, at least it'll start the, the process fairly quickly. Just the same rules. And that is really interesting to me because, Sandra, do we have a sense of how much that black market is contributing to vaping? Well, I mean, we know that there is a big black market in Australia and, mo- and, and, and the black market is a lot of the vaping. But, you right. know, I think that 
it took us it took us seventy years to undo the damage of making tobacco products of making cigarettes freely available. It's taken us two three generations to wind back the clock with a lot of death and destruction. So I, I, I would be really hesitant to say, well, let's take the same path. I think we need to learn the, the lessons from tobacco, but let's jump straight to the point of where it's huh. actually properly regulated. And I think if we went back to the 1950s, I mean, would any of us say, oh, well, you know, let's make tobacco freely available and then spend 70 years cleaning up the mess? <laughs> no, I think we'd say, all right, well, let's make it, you know, if there is some legitimate reason for a very small proportion of people to have them to get off cigarettes great, get that through your doctor like you get the oral contraceptive pill, like you get antibiotics, like you get your blood pressure medication. Uh, but for everyone else, these are addictive products. There's no long-term health studies. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they've got chemicals in them that are associated with cancer and brain damage and all sorts of other things. Um, I think we need yeah. to learn the lessons from the tobacco epidemic, Even not just hearing from that dad earlier about, you know, his son having mm. his an awful throat infection and ending up in hospital, and that's the only way that he gave up vaping. Lots of people saying similar things to this text, just ban flavours, packaging that's appealing to targeting young children, just like menthol cigarettes that were designed to appeal because of the smell and the taste. We've heard all sorts of things being thrown around over the last week or two from the TGA, from the Nationals, as to what they believe should be done. What do you think needs to be done to rein in the number of young people that are vaping? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepherd and Dr Sandro DeMayo, the CEO of Vic Health, with you as well. We're talking about vaping. It's interesting, right? There's a text here that says, why are we doing another show on vaping? Because we need to. It's as simple as that. And there will be plenty of shows on vaping because we are in the midst of it and we haven't figured out what can... Well, we actually... Here's the thing. We have figured out what can be done, but there's... I guess no set guidelines, there is no set time frame, there's no set signed on the dotted line as to mm. what is going to be done in order to change this. Bronwyn King is a radiation oncologist, she's an anti-tobacco campaigner, she has an order of Australia for her work in this area. She's the founder and the CEO of Tobacco Free Portfolios, a not-for-profit organisation aiming to eliminate tobacco from things like investment portfolios globally. Bronwyn, you've been listening to this program and we spoke earlier to Rob Moody about the influence of big companies, big business when it comes to these decisions and the powers that they have. What changes Mm -hmm. do you want to see? Oh, well, look, thanks so much for having me on the show, team. I've been listening with great enthusiasm and I, um, I've i heard so many terrific uh, ideas uh, already, not just from um, not just from you and, and, um, and, and Rob and Khalid, but also from your callers. I think mm. that everybody in the community does need to be part of this and we need to really embrace the lived experience, especially from the teenagers out there who know exactly what's going on, probably a bit better than us. Mm. And... Um, and we need to respond in that very layered approach that Sandro was talking about. No one thing is going to fix this. We're going to need many, many ideas over a period of time, unfortunately. Where does, um, I think, sorry, oh yeah, I, can I just say, though, yeah. the one thing I think that I, the one lens that I can maybe bring um, that I, I, I maybe haven't heard spoken about quite so much this morning is in the world of big business, everyone now is focused on sustainability. And we definitely know that kids and teenagers care an awful lot about climate and the environment. Mm. And so I would think just another layer to put into all of this is really pushing on the fact Mm. that vaping is an absolute disaster for the environment. Millions of units of single-use plastic makes absolutely no sense in a world that is in the midst of a climate crisis. That's not the solution for anything. I think Um, that would make a huge difference. I mean, we're hearing young people that are choosing not to have children for the environment. And I, you know, that's how extreme. So you wonder how many of them realise, because it's only just started, um, Bronwyn, to to hear the the environmental and sustainable impacts of vaping. That's only really just started in in the last short amount of time, I think. That's it. And I think we need to integrate that into education and really uplift that as a message. I mean, I heard one of one of your speakers before was talking about lithium being in most of the batteries and lithium being a crucial um, element that's in very short supply. And here we are just using it and discarding it after one use, which just makes no sense. But I think that kids often do teach their own parents about sustainability. Kids will complain about um, their parents not having 
you know, top-notch sort of sustainability principles integrated into the way they just live their normal lives. And um, and so kids, I think, might find that that resonates with them because um, they are going to have to mm. really help the world transition to, to a net zero world, to a sustainable world, and vaping is the antithesis of that. Bronwyn, we've obviously been talking about the incredible lobbying power that tobacco companies still have, the giant war chests that they can bring to bear. Uh, Tobacco-free portfolios seems to be trying to cut that off at the source a little bit, you know, taking away some of the potential money that could come through to those companies. That's right. Well, look, before we really started our work, it was absolutely normal for superannuation funds, and globally they like to call them pension plans, but it was just absolutely business as usual for all superannuation funds to invest money in big tobacco. No one really thought twice about it. So if we went back to 2010 in Australia, it would have been less than half a percent of all money in Australian superannuation funds was tobacco free. And now I estimate it's around about 85% of all money in Australian super funds is completely tobacco free. And so that's you know been a, a dramatic shift. Mm. And the really nice news is that that sort of spread you know well, is continuing to spread across the world and so we launched an initiative at the united nations before the pandemic we had the support of president macron at the time the australian prime minister malcolm turnbull was very supportive of our work dr tedros from who super supportive and off we went to the un and we launched it's called the pledge the tobacco free finance pledge and we invited big financial institutions banks insurers superannuation funds anyone playing in the finance space we invited them to sign up and commit to um, to not having any financial links with tobacco companies, not lending them money, not insuring them, and uh, not investing in them. And uh, as of today, there's more than $25 trillion that is looked after by the 200 financial institutions signed up to our pledge. More than $25 trillion wow. we signed up to our mm. pledge. Amazing. And we've done that with a team of about six people. Oh, isn't that <laughs> incredible? Oh, so, and, and that's, oh. and almost, yeah, so it's almost 15% of all the money in the world that signed up to our wow. pledge. So it's a long way to go, but if six people yeah, can do that, it, you just wait to see what we can do with a bit more. And Rob Moody was talking about transparency before, and it's so hard for the average person, right, to understand what is right, what is wrong, what is a legitimate uh, solution. You know, when we hear the Nationals saying, we believe that the best way forward is to just sell them like cigarettes, yet, you know, the Nationals still receive money from the tobacco world, from the tobacco industry. So how, how much does the average person know? And in terms of transparency, where does that come in? Where, where does that come from? Where do you read it? Where do you hear it? How do we know who to believe half the well, time? Well, I think, look, I, I think transparency is absolute key to this. So number one there is the National Party accepting money from tobacco companies, in fact, is in breach of the UN Tobacco Control Treaty, to which Australia is a signatory. So it's in direct conflict with Australia's obligations under an international treaty. So uh, it, it needs to stop. There is a legal instrument there and there's no, it's just utterly unacceptable that any Australian party in government accepts money from big tobacco. So full stop, that just has to, that has to end. There's no excuse, absolutely no excuse in 2023. The second thing to mention is that around how do you know and trust and what's going on with, you know, misinformation in social media and you've got marketing coming at your left, right and centre. I think this is a... I mean, this is an issue that goes well beyond vaping, but vaping and tobacco are very good examples of that. And um, really understanding who to turn to when you have questions about what really is true here. This, these are really difficult questions for society to address at the moment. But it does remind me of a little story that uh, from a few years ago, my son Charlie was five and we had a new babysitter arrive one night and the babysitter asked me what I did. And, um, and Charlie helpfully jumped in at the age of five and he said, oh, mummy's trying to help all the boys and girls to never start smoking. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, that's, that's about right. And then without <laughs> saying anything, I thought, that's pretty good. Right? Yeah, sums pretty it up. Five yeah. And then he said, without me saying anything, and I hate that I don't have this on video, but this is what he said. He said, to, to helpfully explain this to the, nan- the new babysitter, he said to her, tobacco companies try to make kids smoke, but it's a trick. <laughs> oh, that's... And, it's so and, t- thought, and that's where we're at. Yeah. And this is the frustrating thing. It's a and trick. 
And to answer that text, why we're doing another show on vaping, this is the mm. reason why. Bronwyn, your work and your dedication is incredible. And the work Amazing. of those six people, they all just need a high five and a, mm. and a group hug all at the same time. Thank you so much mm. for everything that Such you do. Such a pleasure. Thank you and thank Thanks, you Bronwyn. so much for bringing more life to this issue. Bronwyn King, radiation oncologist, anti-tobacco campaigner. When we're talking... About the health and education, this text, great program. I'm listening to you whilst I'm puffing on my disposable vape. Terrible vice it has on you. I think it opens up a broader discussion around how controlled substances in general and how easy it is. I was driving to work this morning. I just picked up a vape from my local milk bar. The accessibility and other illicit substances is just terrible. If the government would step in and regulate these substances and products, it would make it much easier for bodies to understand the volume of issues, tax products, make it able uh, education and intervention. Then there's this. And the text is very, very long, so I can't read it all, but I'll, I'll read the first half. At the start of COVID, I was hospitalised regionally for a collapsed lung. As I was awaiting transport to a major hospital, I was put in a ward with a room who was on her fourth collapsed lung. She said she had no idea why it kept happening. She no longer smoked cigarettes and seemed so confused by it until she brought out a vape and started puffing in the room. I was in the room, I was in the hospital, I challenged her about it. She said the staff knew about it and didn't have a problem with it. So I had to, and I had to show her, I had to prove my case. I got out my phone and I tried to convince her that this was not good for her and tried to educate her on what she was doing and the products that she was buying. Just understanding, a lot of people in I don't think it's bad. They think mm. it's a solution. Oh, it's better than smoking. Well, and, and that's a line that's been created by the tobacco industry. You know, it's it's safer than smoking, which I always say, look, cigarettes are the only product in history if used exactly as designed will kill two in three of their long-term users. So saying that it's safer than something that kills two in three of its users is like saying it's safer than walking in the traffic, you know, on a freeway. Uh, it's a nonsense. These products are not safe. But you're right. A lot of people think that they're safe. There's been a lot of misinformation. Uh, and, and again, it comes back to those same things that we need to put in place uh, from government and then support young yeah. people uh, with proper information, which which there are great organisations and a big shout out to the Royal Children's Hospital. They've got a great resource page, Quit and ourselves, but, you know, a lot more needs to be done. And Todd Harper, CEO of the Cancer Council of Victoria, former Quit director, when it comes to that misinformation, when it comes to this idea that it's better for you than smoking or, or won't be a problem for anyone around you, uh, I mean, you must be tearing your hair out. Uh, it does feel like a very familiar playbook. You're absolutely right. So we had for many decades, let not, let's not forget, uh, the nicotine industry and the guise of the tobacco industry denying for decades what medical science knew about the harms of tobacco. And so they, they have fought every single initiative to regulate the industry, to put rules around uh, what would be appropriate behaviour in terms of advising consumers, informing consumers. So it does feel very much like um, deja vu. But in a sense, that's what we have going for us. You know, if we think about uh, the great success that organisations like Quid have had, which Sandra mentioned earlier, have had for the last 30 years a small organisation that has managed to keep pushing back mm. the tobacco industry. They did that despite um, uh, the tobacco industry threatening to take legal action, challenging every law every step of the way, and yet now we have smoking levels amongst the lowest in the world. We shouldn't be at all complacent though about vaping this is the tobacco industry's opportunity at reincarnation and so we need to really back in those organizations like quit and as uh, your previous speakers have said that the biggest thing that we could do today would be to stop the import of these devices and we have the power to do that through the reforms that are being considered at a federal level that would do so much to give a break to parents to schools and the difficult situations that so many people have rung in about today, that would do the single biggest thing to give them the opportunity to have a, a fighting chance against uh, mm. this terrible push. Todd, forgive my ignorance on this one, but we were talking about that misinformation. We were talking about what an organised campaign it was from the nicotine industry around smoking. This one, when it comes to vaping, the misinformation feels more organic, more like it's being shared between peers. But is, is there yes. actually a group behind it pushing it or has it kind of formed organically? 
I think it's I think it's a little bit of all of that, to be honest. So if you think about it, you know, going through the process of quitting nicotine is hard. It is one of the most addictive substances that we know. And so for people would love to believe that there's an easier, healthier way rather yeah. than having to go through the difficulty of quitting. And that's a real challenge for people. So I think, you know, one of the things, and I think a few of your speakers have spoken about the importance of education, and that's certainly part of it. But the thing that was really successful with the education campaigns that uh, organisations like Quit have run for now for many decades is that they happened in an environment where those messages in education campaigns were being reinforced in other environments. Mm. So kids saw their parents quitting smoking. They saw teachers It came at smoking. you from everywhere. The other thing I find fascinating, and Sandra, you and I have spoken mm. about this, so Todd, I'd be interested to get your opinion on whether this is something that would make a, a big change, is that we have laws on where pharmacies can go and how far away they need to be from each other, but I've lost track of the amount of texts that have come in today saying that a vape shop has opened up across the road from our primary school. Yeah. Does there need to be... Is that one thing we could do tomorrow, that if you are somewhere that sells vapes, it can't be in... X amount of radius of a school. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we've you know we've seen that approach taken with a few other initiatives. So if we think about the arguments around the density of gambling outlets or alcohol outlets, and where we ban um, alcohol advertising, for example. So the thing about this type of advertising is that it goes where the market is, and the market will always go to where there are the greatest opportunities, unless governments step in and set rules which reflect the benchmarks, reflect the standards that the community has about dealing with these harmful products. Well said. Mm. Todd, thanks so much for your time and for the work that you do. It's incredible. Todd Todd Harper, he's the CEO of the Cancer Council of Victoria and the former director of QUIT. And if you are listening to this, of course, the QUIT line is 137848, 137848. I rang them when I tried to quit smoking and I actually broke down in tears when I spoke to them. It was really interesting Mm. and I didn't expect it. I surprised surprised myself because you're admitting that you need help Mm. you know and that you you need but there was that was just one of the resources there to help me quit smoking Mm. i feel like we need those resources there now for vaping as well and we have outlined so many of them today sandro is the spotlight bright enough on this do you think i mean i've had someone text in and say stop talking about this no, I mean, I, I, well, I won't be stopping talking about this. I mean, this is this is a, a huge issue. This is the issue facing children. If you speak to any principal, parent, uh, teacher across Victoria at the moment, they tell you the number one issue facing our schools, the number one concern for parents, particularly of, of primary and, and high school students, is e-cigarettes and vaping. We, we need to act now because if we don't, we will be playing catch-up for decades. We will have an avalanche of disease and we will end up with an entirely new generation of Australians once again addicted to nicotine. Dr Sandro Jameo, CEO of VicHealth, as always, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Nick, I'm going away for a couple of weeks. You will be filling in for me over that period. So I'm really looking forward to you jumping in the chair here on the Conversation Hour. So thank you. But today... Incredible. You know, I just, those programs where you come off air sort of confused, angry, upset, frustrated, it's one of those, you know. It is one of those and that's been on the text line as well. We've heard from parents who are confused and frustrated and they want to do the right thing. They want to be able to help. They don't even know where to begin. Sandra's right. We, We have to jump on top of this now. We run the risk of this being yet another epidemic. Nick Healy, as always, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Thank you so much. My name's Rochelle Hunt. I'm taking a couple of weeks off. Thank you so much, as always, for your company. Roman O'Shea will be filling in for you next week. Until then, take care and we'll speak with you soon.